G-Force, a kaiju podcast. G-Force? Well, it's big and terrible. More frightening than I ever thought possible. Kiss you guys. What a terrible language! Your hosts. One is me, and the other is Godzilla. Nick and Andrew. Hello, everybody, and welcome to G Force, a kaiju podcast, which, as the title implies, is about financial news and the latest scores from the world of sports. No, of course, in actuality, we are a motley crew of kaiju film enthusiasts. My name is Andrew. I am a video editor from Pennsylvania and would-be author, would-be if I could find anybody to publish me. And with me, I have... Hello, I am Dot. I am Texan. That is pretty much all you need to know. Also, I'm about to be heavily caffeinated, so I will be fulfilling the dinkiest role of this podcast. Do not expect any smart and intelligent speech to come from this area. Hey, what's up? Uh, my name's Ike. I like Godzilla and I like movies. And I'm from Oklahoma. And that's about it. My name is James. I'm born and raised in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Currently living in Vancouver, British Columbia for school. Been a Godzilla fan all my life. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Hi, I'm Evan. I'm a lifelong Godzilla fan who works in film and television post-production in Los Angeles, California. Hey everybody, this is John. I also live in Southern California with my wife and two kids. Been a Godzilla fan my whole life. My first Godzilla movie, I think, was Godzilla Raids Again when I was in kindergarten. Uh, my top three favorite films are Godzilla MT-54, Ghidra the Three-Headed Monster, and Godzilla vs. the Sea Monster. Hello, my name is Nick. I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and I've been a Godzilla fan since I was about four years old, and I like to play the drums. And now that you know whose voices it is that you're hearing, we're going to uh, introduce ourselves in a little more detail and let you know about our history with Godzilla before we get into our main topic for today. James? I really don't remember not being a Godzilla fan. My, I think my earliest, my earliest Godzilla memory, I didn't know was a Godzilla memory at the time. I was three years old, and my grandpa was taking me to the Barney movie. So this is 1998, and we, we, by mistake, we walked into what I later realized was Godzilla 98. I just, I just have this vivid memory of those opening shots of like the iguanas kind of on the screen. Um, and we realized it was the wrong movie and we walked out. But, you know, kind of fortuitous of what was to come. Somehow my parents got the, the VHS for Godzilla 98. Uh, I don't really remember getting it, but at some point it appeared in our house and I began watching it. Um, I think like a lot of people of kind of my generation, Godzilla 98 was my intro, but lucky for me, going on the internet and stuff, I discovered this whole world of Japanese movies that were out there. I started going to Blockbuster. I started going to you know, independent video stores, renting as much as I could, watching as much as I could. Uh, I remember my local Blockbuster had 
Godzilla 2000, Godzilla vs. Monster Zero, and Godzilla 1985. And I would just read them over and over and over again, just, you know, every week, one of the three, and was eventually able to track down the others and just was always a big fan ever since. I cannot at all think of the first time I saw a Godzilla movie because I was catching them on TV when I was too young to remember now. But there were three moments that I really think of as key key places where something about Godzilla impacted me in a huge way. Uh, the first would be when I was six years old uh, when I saw Godzilla 1985 on the big screen. And that movie really impressed upon me. And I, I think to some degree, just seeing Godzilla on the big screen at all for the first time did this, but there was something special about Godzilla 1985 that really impressed upon me the majesty of this character. Um, you know, the giant flaming letters tearing through the screen in the opening credits. I will never forget seeing that that first time. And it's a movie that really sells Godzilla's physical scale incredibly well, as well as the, the uh, profundity of his significance, you know, socially, politically, spiritually. It was a movie that felt big. Um, so that, that really impressed itself upon me. Then when I was 10, uh, my father showed me the 1956 American Godzilla King of the Monsters cut, um, which he had also seen when he was 10. And that was around the point where I was starting to watch things like To Kill a Mockingbird and Planet of the Apes, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. And I was starting to become more alert to the concept of metaphor in movies. Um, and so the whole idea of Godzilla as this representation of the atomic bomb hit me hard at that point. Then the third thing was when I was 14 and I was reading a copy of Jeff Rovin's Encyclopedia of Monsters and started reading all of the entries on different monsters from Godzilla movies and got really intrigued by the way that the relationships between monsters would change over the course of movies. So I feel like at that point it was really the, the mythology that intrigued me. So it was this triple threat at four-year intervals of getting hit by the majesty, the metaphor, and the mythology that made me fall in love with Godzilla. Well, as far as I, Doss, you might remember my voice from such shows as King of the Hill and Deliverance. Anyway, the way I got started is that essentially I was Calvin from Calvin and Hobbes whenever I was a kid. I don't just mean as a little pillock. What was it? I, I loved dinosaurs and I pretended I was one for most of the time. And uh, what is now called insanity, but back then it was just called being stupid. And mom and dad tried to curb my enthusiasm as much as they could. Find me this, find me that, find me an outlet. And finally, one day, six years old, home from first grade for the second year. She said there's a dinosaur movie called Godzilla, and it was the 1956 King of Monsters. And um, it was the first, and for, I believe, somewhere around 11 years, the only movie I ever cried at. And uh, I only cried when Godzilla died, 
And I was just like distraught until mom told me there are more, which she never should have done because that went down a very long and expensive spiral at which I just dug through every Hastings in the world to find used. What was it? Uh, Godzilla DVDs, VHSs. And it just kind of grew from there. And suddenly I realized there's a place called Toho Kingdom. And that's what hooked me up with all these people with much better knowledge of it than I have. And I just still love it. Even now that I've gotten interested in cinema, there's just always that nostalgia for what started it. And that's the Godzilla movie. And I still I don't care if it's exactly good. I just like watching them. Uh, hi, I'm Ike. And I remember liking Godzilla since I can remember. Uh, my first movie was Terror Mechagodzilla. I think I was three when I saw it, and it just kind of blew me away. Uh, it was imaginative. Uh, it had a good story, I thought, as a kid. And uh, I like seeing a big dinosaur fight bad guys. <laughs> I thought that was kind of cool. <laughs> I mean, as a kid, being three and seeing that kind of just caught the eye. And ever since, I've just loved Godzilla and I've loved movies. I want to be a filmmaker when I get older. And it's kind of just what set me off. Okay, so I was, I guess you could say, second generation Godzilla fan in my family because my dad kind of grew up on Godzilla too. And um, I guess because of that, my brother was also very into it and um at first when i was a small child i was actually uh, very very scared of godzilla so much so that my parents had to throw away my older brother's godzilla toys which i uh still feel really bad about to this day but then i just remember suddenly taking interest in it i think when i was about four kind of and I remember looking at specifically the VHS we had of Son of Godzilla and just asking about it. And then I finally decided to muster up the courage to finally watch a Godzilla movie. And so I watched the 1998 one and I just something clicked, even though I know that movie is super different and a lot of people hate it, understandably. But, uh, I don't know, something about it just hooked me. And then I went on to watch the other ones. Uh, a lot of the VHS, VHSs we had, like Son of Godzilla and Godzilla 2000. And we had a local video store in my town that sold them, or didn't sell them, but you know, we could rent them there. And uh, I don't know, the rest is all history. This is John. Uh, My first memory of anything related to Godzilla was uh, being a kid and getting the old VHS video treasures of uh, Godzilla Raids Again. It came out, I think, in 88 or 89. I know my mom bought it for me brand new, sometimes I was about six. I remember being so excited about this movie because it had two dinosaurs fighting on the front. And I was a kid, of course, I was already in a dinosaur, so for me it was the best thing in the world knowing there was movies that dinosaurs actually fought each other so that's my earliest memory of Godzilla and I've been a fan ever since some fandoms you kind of go in and out of I go in and out of Star Wars I go in and out of you know Predator and Star Trek aliens um, but Godzilla is the one fandom I've always 
year after year, still maintain interest, still do things to still watch the movies. You know, up, up, up until about a year ago, I collected X Plus and SH Monster Arts, not really anymore. I still have about 90 Godzilla DHS tapes um, across the whole era. So, and I still actually collect those if I find rare ones online. So, yeah, I've been a fan for many years. I'm 36. Um, I'm never, never not going to be a fan. And, uh, you know, looking forward to what's to come. This is Andrew, and uh, I can echo a few of the stories on here in terms of not really remembering when this started. I think by detective work, it had to have been when I was eight or nine, but uh, my own past is a mystery to me on account of my terrible memory. I think my first Godzilla movie might actually have been Mothra, either that or one of the G films that was featured on MST3K. Either way, I know that uh, my Best friends growing up, my neighbors uh, introduced me to it, and the passion just took off from there. Everything was based out of my library's collection, so there are certain films that I still think of as strange and exotic, like Godzilla Raids Again or Destroy All Monsters or Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla 2, just because they were never in my library's collection, so I never got to see them growing up. But I certainly know that it was in the uh, between 95 and 98 period, because when I came in, Show and Heisei were done but I very remember the marketing blitz leading up to 98 and the incredible excitement leading up to 2000 coming out in theaters. And uh, it's just been a wild ride ever since. So now that we've introduced ourselves, you should know that our merry band intends to come to you in rotating numbers. Some weeks you may hear all of us and more. Sometimes you may hear only a few of us. We intend to alternate talking about various kaiju-related discussion topics and breaking down an individual specific movie every other show. This time around, we're going to be on a discussion topic and uh, very much following in the footsteps of all of our introductions, going to be looking at the question for each of us, what is it that you love about Godzilla? So what we like about Godzilla, he's thick for one thing. And he eats a lot of fish. That's a lot of fish. He does not eat a lot of fish. That's a lie. That's a lie. He eats zero fish. It was a lot of fish. A lot of fish. That was someone else. Someone else did that. Well, okay. But that is that is a that is a good jumping off point for what we love about Godzilla because the scale mm-hmm. is definitely a big a big defining yeah. feature of Godzilla, right? Is his size. If he was the size of, say, a dog, it wouldn't have the same impact. No, that would be a very yeah. different uh, franchise. This is a very bad example. Forgive me, everyone. Do not beat me to death with lightsabers. But um, I recall that for a while, was it living out in the middle of nowhere, we just used, we're used to smaller animals, smaller animals. Our dog was a pug of all things. And suddenly we were given a cow, which did not turn out well. And... Um, Standing at something at least of that size was so different. And then you get close to, say, something closer to giraffe and elephant. That's absolutely amazing. It's terrifying to stand next to. Whales are a step beyond that. And so you have to think of, like, Godzilla. You suddenly imagine what bugs see us as. And I think that's part of the awe is that maybe, thankfully, we do not have that experience in our everyday life, but living vicariously through a film 
we can. Some of my favorite films, G14 and Godzilla 2000 especially, the parts that I love best are when they accomplish that, that sense of incredible scale. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, too. It's something uh, Godzilla 85, Return of Godzilla, also does really well. Something with the lighting and the camera angles. They really, Evan alluded to it in his intro. They really yeah. get the scale across. No, you yeah, legitimately the, uh... feel like you are looking at a city with a giant yeah. monster wandering around in the midst of it. There's that. There's one shot in particular that always sticks out to me. It's um, it's right when the uh, the bird signal goes off, mm-hmm. and he turns around, and it's the two leads sort of sheltering in the rubble, and it's there in the foreground, and Godzilla, or they're in the yeah, they're in the foreground. Godzilla's in the background. He's turned around and he's walking, and it just looks so real. The way the miniatures are in that movie, like the city, like it looks so uh, detailed. It just looks like a real city like it's crazy it really makes them feel huge i think godzilla is often a very niche thing and people who are not they didn't grow up in it they find it hard to access and they don't quite get it and so people have always asked me like what like what is it you see in them what do you love about them and i've never quite had an answer like it's something intangible but i definitely think the scale is something that connected with me as a little kid yeah um like even 98 which like you know i know better now it's not a real godzilla movie but you know that was my introduction and that was kind of what you know captured my imagination was just this huge animal and when you're a kid you when you're that small you love animals right like all little kids love animals Mm -hmm. and yeah just something that huge in a city causing havoc no one knows how none of the adults like know how to deal with it they're all like at their wits end super exciting for a little kid i'm just trying to imagine going to see the barney movie after walking into that i have not kept up with my barney fandom so uh (laughs) say what you will about the 98 movie but that movie also i think portrays the scale of godzilla pretty well for the most part like yeah that scene when he first arrives to New York and you just see his yeah. legs and like everything is just like low mm-hmm. angles. Mm-hmm. Like, I love that sequence. As much as we make fun of that's a lot of fish, you know, that, that <laughs> scene itself when he's just coming up close and personal. And it's yeah, funny yeah. because Godzilla 1998 feels like in some ways it's the, the anti-Jurassic Park where the Jurassic mm-hmm. Park has some pretty good cgi but it makes the dinosaur so much more convincing by frequently cutting to really good looking physical animatronics right yeah. godzilla 1998 has some really good physical looking suits that it makes look less real by frequently cutting away to not so good looking cgi <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but when, yeah. It, when you're getting those close-ups of the actual face of the actual eye like there's there's some really astounding detail mm-hmm. and scale there yeah, the CGI I, in that yeah. movie has not aged well. I swear sometimes you can see the rain going through him. I have it in 4K. It's so obvious, the CG. Whenever you're a kid, it's like you watch it, you're like, wow. And then a few years later, like, man, this is crud. While I have but, very little affection for that movie, I still have tremendous affection for the teaser trailers for it. Yes, yeah, the marketing yeah. campaign. Yeah. I mean, yeah. which really, you know really sold that sense of size and of grandeur and of amazement that the movie itself, after about its Mm -hmm. first half hour, 
loses sight of. Even I remember that. And I was like, I was like three years old when that movie came out. But I swear I remember like, like I, I remember the Taco Bell ads. Did you know that teaser they originally had planned? Uh, they actually had one final opening shot where the camera was going to go up above, looking down through the hole in the roof, and like the crushed T Rex bones, and the circle of debris around it was arranged in the exact pattern of like the Jurassic Park logo. Mm. But the studio oh, was like, no. "No, we don't. We don't really want to tick them off. We're gonna make you <laughs> cut that one. Just end it. The shot before that." That would be uh, far too bold of a statement for a movie like that. <laughs> well, they just wouldn't confuse people. They would have been like, oh, so there's a new Jurassic Park coming? Like, yeah, that probably, probably also would have happened. Night, uh, you know, Lost World is not that beloved, but 1998 against Lost World, I still don't think would have worked out <laughs> yeah. in their favor. Lost World wins every time, yeah. <laughs> definitely something we should mention talking about what we love about Godzilla is you know there it's not every movie but enough of them have you know quite tremendous thematic content like obviously mm-hmm. the original yes. Return of Godzilla, Chin, uh, GMK, Mothra, Mothra. <laughs> uh, Godzilla's Revenge. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever oh, the Planet Eater was trying to tell us. Something about technology and I don't, I don't technology even Technology bad, yeah. I think, maybe? I, I don't exactly get it, but whatever it's trying to say, it's really trying. It's, it's really trying. As a movie, as a trilogy, it's really trying. I like Planet Eater quite a bit, but it's not, you know, it's not beyond uh, a little bit of poking fun. I was just going to say I really like Ghidorah in the movie. He's never been so, like, cosmically terrifying, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I was going to bring up. I love all the uh, horror elements that kind of come up with Ghidorah. Yeah, he's he's kind of Lovecraftian. He's like from another dimension. Yeah. And he's like... I just he wish he did big. more than reprise Kaiser Ghidorah of like, I'm going to bite you and be untouchable and then very quickly die. In terms of uh, things that you love, I think one of the other things regarding Godzilla, I feel like at least in the high eye onwards, I, I love the reality that he has to me you can really get the sense that mm-hmm. he is just this intelligent animal um i feel like the suits and the lighting can especially help to sell his sense of you know having this leathery skin having these intelligent eyes you forget at least for me that you're looking at a person and mm-hmm. i feel like they achieve yeah. that much better than a number of other kaiju suits they yeah definitely achieve that really well in gmk with the uh yeah the way his face is like the way it moves and everything like the facial movements in that movie are like incredible yeah that suit is really particularly well built to hide the shape of the actor inside it doesn't work as well as it would have if the posture they had designed it for had actually worked but still yeah, yeah i don't feel like that's one where the human form inside is leaping out at you at all I think that yeah. I think that the Heisei suits in general do a really good job of selling him as like a as a believable like creature. And honestly, yeah. uh, that's one thing that even 1998 excels at. Like we talked about, the CGI doesn't help the sense of reality, but at least the design definitely uh, gives a much yeah. less human aspect that helps to buying him as an animal. Probably a less well, yeah, intelligent yeah. animal. I suppose, but it's still, I, you know, for me, there are certain, there are certain things that make Godzilla Godzilla and not just, you know, a big dinosaur. Yeah. And 
the 98 design really fails at that for me. Yeah. That's a lot of fish. This may seem a little odd having just talked about, you know, appreciating how well the Godzilla suits can hide the human shape inside. But I think one area where the, where the 98 film falls short, that, or where the 98 version of the character falls short, is in not looking human enough. There's something about a sense that there's, there's an actor giving a performance that is really important to Godzilla. And I, with the 2014 film, which I'm a pretty big fan of, was it still felt like there could be an actor on screen playing Godzilla? Like inside, inside that form, yes. could be a person. You could fit a, you yeah. could fit a guy in there. Yeah, it felt like there was a performance there, and, mm. and like it could theoretically have been accomplished by a guy in a suit. Kind of like what Guillermo del Toro said. Whenever they're designing a kaiju, he wanted it to look like someone could be inside of a suit in it. Mm -hmm. I know that's in Pacific Rim. It was a but. Kind of like how they translated it back. If you stick someone in the position of the 98 suit, um, it's going to be extremely uncomfortable, not to say that it was ever comfortable in the Godzilla suit. All those people who did take that were in extreme discomfort, but it does, I think, maybe on a psychological level, helps us empathize a little more if it has a silhouette that's a little closer to ourselves, even if you add on spikes, tails, and teeth. Being a Godzilla suit actor is basically just the most immortalized and preserved for posterity weight loss plan in history. <laughs> Sorry, With the occasional chance of catching fire. It's like and being an Italian car. The occasional chance of catching fire and then them leaving that in the movie because it looks so cool. Another thing about 98 though, is that even though body shape wise or stance wise, it's so far from human, there were some, there were some points in it where like, I guess like the, the way his sort of muscles are, I guess. For me, there are some points in the movie, like when specifically whenever he comes out of the the street, after, whenever they feed him a lot of fish, is a uh, there's like a close up on his torso, sort of, and you can see his like arms and stuff. And at that point, he just kind of looks like a weird, like naked, blue grayish person from like that shot when you're just seeing that part of his body. It always kind of weirded me out. Yeah. I think it's interesting how much in a, in a conversation about what we love about Godzilla, we keep coming back to the movie that we all agree mostly gets it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing. To define what it, you it, like, it, you have to define yeah. what you don't like. Yeah, it just exists now in this permanent fixed position as the incorrect Godzilla against which every other Godzilla is measured. Something that, uh, that I wanted to talk about that I really love is just the variety. I feel like there are so many different kinds of films, especially in the earlier years mm -hmm. in the Showa series. They seemed more willing to experiment back in the day. It goes beyond like serious and not serious though, right? Like you have mm -hmm. King Kong vs. Godzilla, which is like essentially a comedy, the Japanese version. Hard sci-fi with Astro Monster. GMK yeah. is a total like fantasy premise. And I yeah. feel like mm -hmm. Mothra is really the movie that, that changed everything for the genre. Yeah. Like yeah, the, the original was. Godzilla 
set this broad template. When you've gone from the extremes of Godzilla 1954 and Mothra, you now have infinite range in between those two things to play with. Like all bets are off. You can do anything because you've done Mothra. No, I think that's Hedora because Hedora went even further beyond. It's kind of like fantasy on speed. Hedora is an experience. It has to be. It has to be seen to be believed. That and uh, Revenge are the two that you have to just kind of sit there and absorb. Well, you know, I, I rewatched Revenge recently, and it it struck me as being a lot less weird than its mm-hmm. um, its reputation, you know, is. It's definitely weird, weirder. It's on the weirder end of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's, it, has know, a, it has a basically weird premise, yeah, but it then yeah. executes it in a relatively straightforward way. You know, it's not like it's not like you don't have a sense of whether what you're seeing is reality or dream at any given point. Yeah. The only thing you're sure of is that this is the worst dub I've ever heard. But the Japanese version, I mean, it's just the night and day. Like, you know, in America you go, Hi, come on over and then the Japanese are Yeah. And you're just like how do you get those two voices for the same character? He goes from Barney to he goes from Barney to Meowth. <laughs> Meowth in like either an echoing cardboard box or a drive-through speaker. Hello, welcome to Wendy's. What would you take? Godzilla says I should learn to fight my own battles. You know. You know. <laughs> you, know you can't forget that you know. That's what makes the line. Yeah, I know. For some I mean, reason, if you say it, it doesn't have the same effect as you don't. You know. It really is true that one of the reasons to love Godzilla is just that movies like that exist and are part of the mm-hmm. canon alongside oh 100% I mean it would be fun to just show somebody the original the 1954 and right after you know don't worry we'll be joining your father soon just cut smash cut straight into Godzilla says I need to learn to fight my own. Like, these are the same thing just so you know and technically it's a show a series this is canon while Achiro's talking to Manila somewhere in the past the Godzilla they killed just did that to Tokyo. And strangely enough, the very forgiving Japanese public is making action figures of him like 15 right. years later. I know. A different member of the same species. It's true. Yeah. This is just With the one that wrecked Osaka. Right. The, the Japanese are, are very, like, they, they go to show. They don't stereotype. You may look the same, but we, yeah. we're treating you as your own individual. Right. I guess that's a good point. I guess the main Godzilla never had like a like a total rampage the way the first one did. Right. He just kind of he just kind of walked through some cities. Yeah, he's he's just on his way to fight somebody. He's just like stepping on the grass on your way to going to work. Yeah. That and that first Godzilla in the original movie, it's part of what makes the movie so dark. Is it's his his rampage seems very deliberate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like he's really trying to get every building. You know. Maybe that's the true meaning of the franchise, is that they did not judge Godzilla. They weren't racist. Maybe that is the point. Don't judge someone by the spikes on their back. Love is the answer. You see, this podcast is already making progressive leaps and bounds through society. You know, another thing Mm. I think for me with Godzilla, uh, you know, and this is completely the the 10-year-old in me, but I do just love how he is the toughest that he is the, the meanest guy around, that he has this 
impressive power set. You know, he has the breath, he has the regeneration. In some continuities, he has the nuclear pulse, which is my favorite. But I think there is something that really just appeals to that that inner 10-year-old, that little kid that just wants to see the biggest, meanest guy on the block wrecking things, you know? Let's just admit, A, we like seeing disaster, otherwise Fatal Army wouldn't exist. And B, it's we like to watch things fight, which is why WWE exists. And if you combine them together into like a superhero movie, essentially, you get the perfect combination. That's it. The ultimate genre is Godzilla. So what you're saying is that basically all the genres and all the media forms throughout mm-hmm. human civilization were just kind of waiting waiting for something well, like Godzilla to come along and amalgamate them all into the perfect epitome. Godzilla is the apotheosis well, of media. Godzilla is the generic Megazord. I can't really say much more. You guys have pretty much covered all the bases. But, um, you know, for me also, um, it takes me to when I was a kid, you know. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about you guys, but I was the only fan of Godzilla that I knew of anybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My parents didn't like Godzilla. My dad didn't like Godzilla. No one, my mom bought me the tapes, of course, but she didn't sit and watch them with me. And mm-hmm. no one cared, but I did. At school, everyone was into Ninja Turtles. You know, I was into Turtles too, but you know, it wasn't, Godzilla was kind of like, you were like the, you were like an uber nerd if you like Godzilla. Yeah. And so for me, I remember, I, I actually have fond memories of that. I felt like I kind of had Godzilla all on my own. this is the thing that I like that no one else likes. I like these movies, even though my friends or people I know don't really like them. I can totally relate to that. I was kind of like the opposite sort of in that way. Like, like, like you, I didn't, aside from my dad and my brother, I didn't know anyone who was into Godzilla, but I still like, I, instead of kind of enjoying that, it was just kind of my own little thing. Kind of like, really bothered me for a while because I just wanted to I just wanted to talk about it with someone and like my brother and my dad kind of even though they like it they didn't really uh go in as as deep as I have so I kind of felt sort of alone in that kind of regard until you know you guys came along and then now here I am on a podcast talking about it which is pretty pretty uh great so for a while it kind of bugged me that I didn't have anyone else to really share it with. Fanzines and conventions were definitely an outlet that I, uh, that I really needed when they, when they came along. Like, yeah. I, I definitely wanted that, that chance to communicate with someone else about this stuff. And I think that's going to wrap up our discussion for this evening. Now, this is... Uh, far from intended to be our final episode and uh so next time around we are going to be hitting up whatever our random number generator dictates so we've got everyone here ready to uh uh live react as i get us a number and find out exactly what it signifies number 55 which is godzilla and? Tokyo SOS. Oh no! Suspicious start. That one out. Uh, <laughs> that 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 may fall under the. Uh, if you don't have anything nice to say for me, <laughs> we're jumping real early into James fights everyone else on Mechagodzilla movies. So to wrap things up uh, for this episode, how about we uh, 
have everyone sign off with uh, right off the top of your head your favorite dub line from a kaiju film. So uh, to sign things off, I'm Andrew, and you're not Tarzan. Uh, this is John, and he'll go through him like through a goose. I'm Ike, and there's something funny going on. You better check it out. Uh, this is Evan, here to say Superman beats them all. This is James, uh, signing off with banana oil. Uh, I'm Nick, and uh, something's wrong. And Gwyr shouldn't attack his friend Godzilla. I'm Doss. Godzilla says that I should learn to fight my own battles. You know. You know. <laughs>